Hi, everyone. I'm Bill Nordstrom, and welcome to the program today. I've been reading an interesting book, although I'm not very far advanced in the pages yet. I've I've read enough to challenge my heart on some of the conventional wisdom relating to Israel and the church. Several ideas held closely in Christian theology that may potentially be at odds with what the Holy Spirit is actually revealing the closer we come to the return of the Lord. The apocalyptic, the uh, the prophetic uh, mysteries that we've been addressing over a number of weeks now, the hidden secrets of God, he's, he's held in his heart and he fully intends to make plain and clear in this season, something he desires to make very clear to the church in particular that we might corporately respond in a wholeheartedness we've not before embraced. I know that may sound a bit confusing, but I, I really believe the church has lived too long in a perceived freedom to embrace convenient doctrines that frankly can't be supported in the Bible, particularly in relationship to Israel. I know you would agree that the the word of God is forever settled in heaven, but we must ask, is it forever settled in me? We would also agree that the visible shakings in the present culture and the rapid and radical shifts in in the many long-held mainstream moral absolutes and belief systems are really causing a, a multitude inside and outside the church to ask a lot of questions. Believe me, I know, because I hear many of those questions. The author of this book I'm reading uses some insightful history to get his point across. He alludes to Copernicus, that 16th century cosmologist, astronomer, and mathematician. You remember him from history class, right? Yeah. (laughs) He's the one that took on the conventional wisdom of his day that the earth was the center of the universe, that the the sun and the planets rotated nicely around our terra firma. However, Copernicus uh, finally got the attention of the scientific and religious community when he asserted actually the opposite is true, and he used math to prove it. Copernicus showed that the sun actually holds all in place, and it's, here's the spoiler alert, Earth and the planets that orbit the big star. What I'm saying here is that many of our conventional ideas of the church's relationship with Israel and vice versa may need some tweaking before this age ends. So let's let's do some tweaking. A few weeks ago, I suggested there some in the church beginning to embrace the position we're approaching a Judeo-centric millennium, a 1,000-year period that will immediately follow the end of this age. And for 1,000 years, this Jewish prophet, priest, and king, the Messiah, will, will validate before all the nations his divine right to have chosen whom he would choose. You remember election, chosenness. A, a, a very called out special people, the seed of Abraham called out from the very beginning to represent that kingdom, you know, the kingdom to come, the one that we pray to, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. And you know what else? This Jewish Messiah 
will oversee this kingdom from the land promised to Abraham and his seed. Remember, God cut the covenant with Abraham, a covenant Abraham had nothing to do with. At God's bidding, the old patriarch carefully cut the pieces of the sacrifice in two and promptly went to sleep. God appeared in the form of a a smoking fire pot and and flaming torch that passed between those pieces. Thus, God alone, that was a unilateral act of love on God's part, he passed through the pieces of dead animals and the covenant was sealed by God alone. Nothing, absolutely nothing depended on Abraham. Everything depended upon God who promised to be faithful to that covenant. Even as God alone validated his covenant, then he will do so once again. When in the age to come, he will affirm before the nations, the totality of the nations, his choice of the Jew, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, Jew and Gentile, thus making peace. Listen to me carefully on this. God's going to choose whom he will choose. That choice is little on the radar of the church these days. Little considered, but nevertheless, his choice and his desired outcome. This misnomer that the the church alone is the center of God's spiritual universe is a great error. That if we are to be successful and navigate the season before us, We need to embrace and understand the people group with whom he decided to start this whole process with in the first place. I contend, I contend that if we're reading the Jewish scriptures, the Old Testament, it's pretty clear evidence points to the return of a Jewish man to rule the world. And the corporate headquarters of this future age-ending event will be centered in Jerusalem, the city of the great king. Among many in the church who embrace Christian theology, even go to church regularly and and support the creeds and the canon of Scripture, hold to the idea that God is somehow finished with the Jews, that they they may have some relevance in the plan of God in the sweet by and by, but, but the church has replaced Israel as the apple of his eye. Listen, folks, the Lord's going to move us away from that kind of sweet, syrupy, sentimental view of theology, especially pertaining to Israel, the covenant people. So we begin to see with the eyes of the spirit that this ancient nation, that's the barometer for the timing and the tensions ahead, we need to pay attention to. That, that, that the Lord's controversy with Zion will play out in the most spectacular trouble Jacob has ever known, and that Jerusalem is the nexus. It's, it's the link for this spiritual confrontation to begin and to end. If you don't have a takeaway, a, a rock-solid biblical understanding of eschatology, the end times, the critical must-events we've been addressing now for almost two years— You're just in for a rude awakening, and you can only pray God's mercy when this shaking begins. Listen to me, folks. I'm not trying to be unkind here. I'm seeing and saying what God sees and says, because 
prophecy. Prophecy in the Word of God is final. It's absolute. The Lord will settle once and for all his right to choose whom he will choose. He chose the seed of Abraham, much to the rage and the fury of the nations, and might I say, some even in the church. You might be investing your time and energy in getting the right people elected to office, even energetically protesting against abortion, same-sex marriage, and a myriad of other social issues. Nothing wrong with that. God can honor that. But if those efforts are not seen in the context of the prophetic plan of God, that we're not returning to normal, whatever that is, that we're at the beginning of the beginning of what become the birth pains Jesus spoke so clearly about in Matthew chapter 24. Yes, the Spirit of God is presently making some dramatic requirements on the church to begin to address and embrace a holiness and lifestyle and character well outside the conventional views of religion and culture, embracing a fasted lifestyle, laying our lives before the spirit of grace in corporate prayer, crying out for a wisdom and favor, and yes, a clear, a very clear prophetic understanding of the days in which we now live and the days that are coming. I'm always so encouraged by what what the prophet Amos spoke to the covenant people of his day. Listen to this, Amos chapter 3, verse 7. Surely the Lord God does nothing, nothing, unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. And might I say, God is raising up young prophets in these days, anointed young adults that will have the word of the Lord in this crisis hour, a promised end-time wisdom to be a voice in the earth to broken, confused humanity. While political religious systems are unraveling at the seams, families being separated, Jews and uncompromising Christians undergoing persecution, here's the word of the Lord on that. Revelation chapter 12, verse 17, and the dragon that's the Antichrist, was enraged with the woman. The Jews who were fleeing at the end of this age in the Great Tribulation, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's the church, folks. The powers of darkness controlling a man who's been vacated of any attributes of a God-imager set on one thing, the annihilation of the covenant people. And when he sees these fleeing, confused Jews are receiving refuge, help, and safety at the hands of spirit-filled believers of understanding, he'll set his efforts on us. And while there'll be pockets of mercy and grace, it'll also be clear we're well past politics and agendas. And our knowledge of what the prophet spoke and perhaps What the Holy Spirit spoke to us 10, 20, 30, 50 years ago will now require an immediate response, not a I'll get to it down the road. No kicking the can here. It'll require a now moment of response. I'm using language seldom heard in the church these days, and it's it's likely to become even more scarce in the near future. Beloved, know what you believe and why you believe it. Like Copernicus, who upset the apple cart on the conventional wisdom of cosmic wisdom of his day, even so the God of heaven and earth 
is going to upset some conventional wisdom in our day, that the, the mostly Gentile churches is somehow one, the one and only center of God's universe. That simply is not true. When the times of the Gentiles come to an end, and it will, God will fully reveal his one new man, a corporate organism of Jew and Gentile that will fully demonstrate the Lord's wisdom for the next 1,000 years and, for that matter, eternity. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15. Having abolished in his flesh the Messiah, the enmity, the hostility, the animosity, that is, the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, Yeshua abolished them in his death so as to create in himself one new man from the two, Jew and Gentile, thus making peace. Ah, the hostility. The hostility comes to an end. Peace at last. One from the two. You know, I'm reading on social media lately, of all places, some of the most insightful, knowledgeable, God-given, anointed posts These are often so good I could cut and paste these precious words and create a a standalone podcast all by itself, and I may do that someday. A wonderful Christian sister recently posted this, and I want to read it. The American eschatological model is often far more heralded, bought, believed, and lived out far beyond, far beyond that of accurate biblical eschatology. It's actually quite difficult to find a church where proper biblical eschatology is even taught and encouraged anywhere in the world. This should make you more than a bit nervous, raise some serious questions in your heart, and cause you to examine what you think you know about the gospel, about theology, eschatology, and even Jesus himself. Clearly, she says, the American dream of the end of this age is antithetical, and contrary to much of Scripture. And this must be reconciled shortly, because it matters. That pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? I think we need to pray about that. Father, you are bringing an end to all things. And you're going to set yourself and your son on this earth to rule and reign for a thousand years And you're going to use your covenant people and the illustration of that people to validate before all the surviving nations of that time period your wisdom in choosing them in the first place. Father, what I want to say, and I I pray the people that I'm uh, speaking with today and that are in the sound of my voice would come into agreement with that, that you chose Israel. And we've been grafted, wonderfully grafted into that in your kindness and your mercy. And Father, we're going to rule with you on this earth in the age to come. Would you settle some things in the hearts of the Gentile church in this day? That it's not all about us. That your plan is much bigger than our and minds can even conceive, Father. It's there in your word. It's been held as a mystery throughout the ages, but it's continuously being revealed in our time. 
And this kind of revelation is going to come rapidly the closer we get to your return. Give us grace. Give us mercy. Give us understanding like we've never known before. And we ask it in the name of the Messiah of Israel, Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of the living God. Amen and amen. God bless each and every one of you. I've had fun today. I don't know about you. I believe this is the word of the Lord for this hour. And I believe he's going to uh, disclose more to us. The more we get into his word and the more we spend inordinate amounts of time in his presence, seeking his face and seeking his heart. Subscribe to the podcasts and uh, spread them around, Father. We want, or uh, my beloved friends, because we want this to, to reach the nations. It's an important word. So Maranatha, God bless each and every one of you. I'm Bill Nordstrom.